Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Thank you to um, Ruminations for another great show highlighting issues around homelessness. Um, Welcome to Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio. 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Uh, I'm Bill, and for the next hour, my guest will be sharing his journey of recovery from compulsive gambling. I'd like to welcome Grant to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. Um, And as a member of Gamblers Anonymous, he's going to share his experience of compulsive gambling and how Gamblers Anonymous has helped. Um, So, Grant, we usually start talking about sort of growing up and what 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 it was like, what what caused you to sort of think about gambling as a as a way out? So how how did it all start for you? <laughs> uh, growing up makes me laugh because I'm still doing that to this day. <laughs> um, growing up for me was um, was different. It's always unique, but um, you know I was adopted at birth, and uh, I, I always kind of felt like I there was something missing. There was um, like I didn't feel didn't quite belong or there was a bit of an issue there with identity and um you know, born into um <clears throat> adopted into a family that looked incredibly different than i than i do uh, so there was always you know, it, was, it was always very apparent there was something something really different and um as i grew up i kind of struggled with that a lot so there was i started to develop a lot of um sort of emotional problems or issues around about around being different and um, given that I had a, a keen interest in, in, in sport and and a couple of other things um, around finance and money it kind of just came towards came to a point in terms of gambling because um, I was looking for a way to escape and avoid dealing with a lot of the things that I was feeling so that that's kind of where it how it developed very quickly from a young age growing up and I was still part of a very uh, loving family that had no history of addiction. Uh, it just happened that you know I was not prepared to uh, to talk about or face up to some of these truths about about my upbringing and how it made me feel when I turned to uh, uh, turned to gambling, basically. Right. Okay. Um, so, did you have any brothers or sisters, and what what were they? You know, did you get on with them? Yeah. Look, I, I have an older brother, um, five years older, and. Um, yeah, we got along. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the standard um, uh, standard sibling uh, rivalry, but again, because we were so different in a lot of ways, you know, especially on an emotional level too, um, there wasn't that strong connection that I was probably seeking. Which again was you know, more seeking that as there was a void uh, there for me. Um, but again, that's something that I created myself too. Yeah. So I mean, the connection was always there. I just probably ran away from it. I was just too scared, and, and again, didn't feel I was deserving of having those class relationships. Right. So, um, what what did it feel like? What's the what's the sort of the emptiness like? How does it manifest? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say empty. Like I, it manifested. I mean, it was just over time. Again, where perhaps in my family we didn't talk about a lot of issues openly. Um, 
not to, not to put any any blame on anyone else. Again, you know, we, you're the one that's looking at, uh, at, yeah. at the addict on recovery here. But yeah, I, I wasn't prepared to. Um, I didn't. I didn't really have the skills or the tools to deal with my emotional insecurities at the time, or, or, or you know, there was a definite inability to deal with reality. Uh, regardless of I was young, um, you know, I, I I put it upon myself to um, to deal with these things, and I just didn't. Right. So, would you consider yourself to be angry? Were you were you a a cross kid? No, no, I wasn't a cross kid at all. Um, you know, I was uh, I was a very quiet quiet kid. There was certainly some. Um, you know, I was always very polite, but uh, again, there were just things missing. I, I, I did start to develop some resentment um, as I started to mature in age regarding um, reasons why I may have been adopted or, or, or not have that um, tangible or uh, close bond with um, with family, have it be biological or adoptive as well. So from there, yeah, I, I, I definitely did develop um, some anger and some resentment around not knowing certain things, you know, why they came to be. Right. Okay. So, what sort of things did you did you start off in your, um, I guess, obsession? You know, what what were the what are some of the early things you did that showed you had a propensity towards gambling? <laughs> well, I think um, even well before gambling, again, um, I won't say that I was all or nothing, but I, I definitely tried to overachieve in a lot of areas and successfully did. Again, but a lot of that was driven by bearing down these innermost feelings that I had of of not belonging or not being deserving or deserving or worthy you know, of love, support, care, and encouragement, which were always available, actually available at the time. So, um, yeah, I I tried to avoid and escape in other ways, but as I started to um, grow up a little bit older and see that my friends were getting jobs and doing a bit of travel and, um, and, and buying things. Um, I was always looking for an easy way. Okay. And um, yeah. <laughs> from the, I guess from the moment I started to earn money, I was always looking to try and gamble and get a fast track, uh, fast track life through to uh, all these wonderful things. Right. Okay. So um, when did your gambling start, I guess, start in earnest? What? Yeah, I, I, I think it was... I believe it was eighteen. Uh, I mean, I, I know I I created my first um, my first gambling account gambling account um, at the age of eighteen. But it was premeditated too. I was already lining it up. I think for about yeah. six months before then. And yeah. Um, yeah, look, I I was headed down that path. But even years before then, you know, I, I feel like I had an unhealthy um, type of. I'd say obsession at that point, things like arcade games or even marbles, even when I was a lot younger. Yeah, or, um, yeah I think it, it did develop yeah, uh, at a young age. I, I do remember going to a racetrack with my grandfather at one point and, um, and experiencing that. And I think that were, I think he may have placed a bet for me at that point in time too. And the worst yeah. thing that could have happened was at one, and I kind of got hooked on that yeah, as well. Yeah. But... Um, Definitely, yeah, definitely 18 is where it kind of really took off from that point when I could legally gamble. Yeah, okay. Um, so what what was, what was were the people around you thinking about your attraction to gambling? Was anybody warning you against it or, you know, what were, you, were your friends doing the same thing? 
No, I don't know. My friends weren't doing the same thing and, and people didn't know at, at that point in time as well. Again, this was this was definitely me trying to escape from my innermost feelings of, of you know, something not being there, not being, not, you know, being mis- uh, was missing for me. So I, I kept it a secret as much as I could. Uh, in hindsight, you know, I could see that people could see that certain things, my behaviours and actions weren't um, weren't consistent with some someone that was not gambling yeah, <laughs> at that okay, point in yeah. time, but they probably wouldn't want to admit, admit to that either. Yeah. Okay. Um, so t- you mentioned to me uh, before that um, you were quite good at school, and you finished, I think, primary school early. So you, you started high school early. So did you go to uni? Yeah, I, I did. Um, again, yeah, like I said before, look. I um I, I was driven to overachieve to bury some of these feelings, and I, I did go to university. I, I did my first year of university whilst I was still in high school, and um, and then actually the last part of the year I did nothing because uh, I'd finished the syllabus, and um, it, it kind of wasn't you know it wasn't I didn't really have a lot of structure in that time too, which didn't help because this was all around the time that I was eighteen as well. Yeah. So I found yeah. myself with uh, more time. And uh, it was a tough age for me too, as I was getting closer to trying to find out more information about my uh, my genealogy and my background, um, you know, medical, um, all those types of things. So I was getting closer to my biological um, roots, yep. which in itself created more stress and um, and feelings that I couldn't deal with at that time. Okay. I didn't yeah. have the support either. But yeah, yeah it was, I was starting to spiral quite early right um so so you basically you're a closet gambler nobody really understood what you were doing so what did that entail as far as money goes you know did you have to get money from other places uh i mean i started i started working around 18 and um some of my friends were doing at the time you know i was living at home i wasn't paying board things were coming easy and i i still didn't have a um I didn't value money that highly, but all I knew is that I'd already set up an account and I was already on that path, or on that path of mental obsession towards gambling. You know, I would, I would still, I would think about it a lot. And from the time that I got my first job, you know, the majority of my money initially was going directly to gambling, and it wasn't long. You know, within a couple of months, that um, that all money that I was accruing either through work or through scholarships um, or other means was going directly towards gambling. Right, okay. Um, so part of um, gambling, as I understand it, is, is this low self-esteem and that the need to feel better and the feeling better is by achieving the big win. So what's it like when the big win doesn't... Well, at the end of the day, you've got nothing again. That must be a dreadfully low feeling. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely demoralising. You know, you uh, I could start a gambling binge with, regardless of any any funds, and and finish with nothing. And you know, you just I I would feel completely empty, hopeless. Um, You know, a lot of self pity, self loathing. You very low self esteem. Um, But for me. And very quickly that would turn to thinking about 
mm, how can I potentially get more money now to how am I going to cover up this mess? What lies am I going to tell? But realistically is how could I possibly get more money to either get back these losses or just get back on the punt and yep. gamble? That was, yep. that was the obsession. Yep. So I guess um, problem gamblers don't talk a lot you know, in recovery, don't talk a lot about big wins and things, but there must be enough big wins along the way to make you want to to to, to trick you into thinking it's going to be a realistic way of solving your problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, I say it's unfortunate, but it's fortunate. You know, I did have a big win when I was young, um, and you know, I I burned through that that stack really, really quickly. Um, it was just kind of before my 21st birthday as well. And, you know, for a moment in time, yeah, I thought I was on top of the world and, you know, going to be able to do this and that and everything else and um, and just squandered it all because even though... That's I, what you do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was an unstoppable force. Uh, and the fact that, you know, I was compulsive at that age across the invisible line to uncontrolled um, gambling. Mm. So that means you you must live off others to an extent. So what's it like in close relationships where you're trying to convince your closest relationships to help you do something that is gamble? What's that like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm smiling and laughing about it today. Um, and, uh, you know, back, back then, you, you know, in reference to that big win that I did have and lost it all, like I was, I remember I was living at home and um, so I, I had all needs, uh, all immediate needs being met. But then as time progressed and this, uh, you know, and my illness continued to progress in severity um, and moved into other uh, intimate relationships, you know, those people became um, almost targets for me to say, hey, look, you know, I, I can't do this, you know, help me there. You know, I was you know, definitely turned into a liar, a cheat, and a thief. Um, you know, and you wouldn't need to turn your back. Or, you, you know, if you turned your back, there was, an, yeah. there was a chance I was going to do something to rip you off or, or find a way in which to uh, uh, to gain some funds. Um, but, I mean, that aside, like, I think it's just the, the way in which I treated people from an emotional standpoint, um, you know, did a lot of damage, you know, to, my, to all parties involved. Um, you'd, you'd, I'd, I'd do anything at all costs to, to try and accrue more funds to gamble. Yeah. So what's it like in a close relationship like a partner when when the gambling's occurring? Do you sort of see their anguish or don't don't you even look? Um, in gambling mode or in action mode? No, no. You, you know, I'm stuck in this, I was stuck in this place of just, complete tunnel vision towards you know, mental obsession towards gambling there was nothing else that I would even be prepared to consider at that point in time um, if, well, if, if, if I did it would be fleeting and um, then after you know, once, you know, once I'd gone through and you know, gambled all my money and then be left with the aftermath of one having to disclose or, or not disclose through lies um, I mean your behaviours in front of those people change automatically, and um, and you know I can recall just seeing people know that something has happened, and more than likely it's you know I've gambled I've gambled again and gambled yep. all my money, um, but they too were afraid um, to approach and to address because you know, you know I was an absolute beast of a person uh, back then too. Um, I would have been even today. I'd be reluctant to. Uh, well, I know how to deal with them today, but 
I mean, just again, you just leave a trail of destruction and, and that whole thing around you know, being fearful of, um, you know, of facing up to this. Um, you know, it, it really, other people do, you know, experience the full brunt of that too and, and they're not, generally not equipped with the skills to deal with it as well. No. So it must take a lot of um, effort to maintain a relationship with a problem gambler. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially when, you know, in my experience, I was living a, you know, a double or a triple life um, all at once. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that in itself is exhausting, even just thinking about it. Um, and that person has to keep pace, basically. But the truth, you know, for me is that those relationships, um, they crumble. Uh, they, they, they always did because, you know, no, no relationship can be, you know, can be... Um, uh, uh, no foundation of a relationship can be built on that, basically. No, no. Um, so you, I guess you did what probably every alcoholic did as well, did a geographic. So you left the situation. <laughs> so what what did that mean to you to leave your family and your home and, and head off? Um, well, look, it was foolish, um, absolutely foolish. But as I've mentioned um, you know, prior to the interview, the um, everything that's occurred to this point, uh, I have no regrets. It's got me to here. I've survived and I've got myself to this place. But doing a geographic, um, which I've done several, um, again, it's just running away without dealing with the innermost feelings, you know, being brutally honest about oneself and squaring yep. away the facts of one's life <laughs> in order to actually move forward. Right, okay. So um so I guess your parents too were were concerned about you before you left. So was that part of the reason for leaving? Um no, I mean for me, I mean my parents were definitely I mean they they they've always they were always um concerned and, and worried um in a loving, caring, supporting and encouraging way. Um they knew they knew that it was my problem to deal with. They knew that they weren't equipped um, with the skills to be able to help other than doing what they actually did. Um, for me, it was just pure escapism and avoidance. You know, ironically, you know, I found myself in Melbourne, which is <laughs> almost the gambling, well, basically the gambling capital of Australia, um, it's, which is no, it's no coincidence in me coming to Melbourne. But... Um, yeah, it, it didn't matter where I, if, if I chose somewhere else to, it would have been just as bad. I just I just know that in the bottom of my heart. Yeah, okay. You're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, we're, um, we've now got 18 recent episodes of Living Free available as podcasts on the Living Free webpage, um, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash livingfree. And they're also available on iTunes. There's also plenty of great podcasts of other 3CR shows available if you go to 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. Uh, if you have a question or comment about the show, you can call the station on 9419 8377 or send us an email at 3 our summer break begins after the next show on the 21st of December and we, we return on the 25th of January 2018 in earnest. Uh, but on the 4th of January, there's a special summer show featuring Overeaters Anonymous, so please join us. Uh, I'm talking to Grant and we're talking about uh, recovery 
from gambling addiction. Um, so Grant, um, I think we got up to the point of doing a bit of a geographical. So um, what what happened? You know, once you made it to the next place, what was the? How did your story progress in? Sure. <laughs> um, it, it picked up exactly where it left off before I did my geographic. So I was still very much um, completely mentally obsessed with, with gambling. And given that I um, I was in a place where it was so much more accessible to, it, it just it, it took itself to the next level. Um, I was... Um, I was in a. Uh, uh, I was married at, the, at this point in time as well, where I'd, I'd set up, um, set up in Melbourne a, a month before my wife had come over, and you know, within that time period, you know, I'd just, the path of destruction that I had created through gambling was catastrophic, and which ultimately led to um, to that relationship ceasing to exist um, over a period of time. Um, but you know, I, I continued. Um, to do whatever I could to gamble, um, you know, I had, I felt I had no, you know, I wasn't being accountable for my time or my actions and and or anything basically in, in my life at that point. I was free falling, so um, the pain and misery continued uh, until I was I was able to, um, well, circumstances where you know I, I'd lost jobs as well because it was getting worse and worse until I found myself paying with so much that um, I needed to seek help. Right. So what um, what was work like then? It must have been very difficult having an active gambling addiction and working at the same time and having a family. Yeah. Um, it's probably the triple life, is it? The, well, the triple life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I couldn't be present at all. Um, again, you know, I was just thinking about where is my where is my next bet going to be? Um, where am I going to you know, get the funds to to place that next bet as well? So there was a very very low probability of any any job, uh, any relationship, any activity going on in my life of actually holding um, and and continuing on. It was just a matter of basically whatever was in my path was going to be destroyed. And, and that's exactly what happened. Right. So I, I probably should have asked you earlier, but what sort of things were you gambling on? What was your primary um, addiction? Sure. So I started on sports, and um, I quickly found that it, uh, it moved towards uh, horse racing, greyhounds, um, and the trots. But I, I dabbled at a point in time, uh, at a certain point in time, with the pokies. Um, the stock market as well. It was it was basically anything that I could. Some of the casino games, but it was definitely the horse racing, dogs, and the trots that really got me with the quick turnaround and in, in, t- in terms of time to place a bet. Yeah, and I guess the turnaround to get recover your winnings or whatever and do the next bet. Yeah, so it's a yeah. yes, that's right. Yeah, and and basically horse racing is on every day of the week, and if you've got access to it electronically, it's sort of. It must be a twenty-four hour a day job. It was, yeah, it, it very much was. That was all I really thought about for um, for a long period of time. Uh, it, it did develop into a daily habit, uh, which makes everything else everything else in life completely unmanageable. Every single aspect of life was unmanageable as 
my addiction progressed worse and worse. And yeah, I mean, it's available 24-7. Yeah. I remember my dad, he was an alcoholic, but he gambled a bit. But he'd spend, I don't know, a couple of hours in the morning looking at the form guides and then doing a few bets. He wasn't a, he wasn't a heavy better, but he, he selectively bet. But he'd spend, oh, I don't know, two hours a day looking at the form. So did you, were you looking at the form? Were, were you thinking you could beat everybody else? <laughs> Personally, I think if your dad was looking at the form for two, you know, two hours in a day, that's crazy. I didn't have time for that. That was, that was my gambling time. <laughs> no, there was, you know, the method of my madness was just to get on. Uh, oh, wow. Place bets, yeah. bets and yeah. get on. Um, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I was a favourites punter um, predominantly, so okay. I just need to get on like that. Yeah. Yep. No time for form. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and I think the other one you said uh, earlier was talking about the uh, you, you couldn't be present because of your obsession. So you couldn't have any close relationships because you're always distracted. So how did that play out in your general life? Not very well. <laughs> no, look, I mean, when you're mentally obsessed with something, it is. It's a 24-7 obsession. Um, whilst I'm gambling, I'm gambling. Whilst I wasn't gambling, I was thinking about gambling. Um, it was. The, it would be the exception to the rule to be thinking about somebody else uh, or the, all those others in, in, in my life, and um, which doesn't make you know, for, you know, a successful relationship in, in any way, shape or form, no matter if it's intimate or work or, you know, meeting someone for the first time. I, I don't know. Like, it was just, a, there was no chance. There was no chance, right. Writing. Okay. Uh, and the other thing um, is that you must have had some pretty, pretty shocking depressions at the losses. So does that, what do you feel like, you know, like, what's your next thought at that really low point? Um, for me, it got to the point where it was it became irrelevant as to what I lost because they were all the same. Um, after I had lost all my money and, and couldn't be and couldn't bet, I, I, I was completely demoralised and um, obviously wished that I wished that I hadn't done that. I'd swear that I would never do it again. Yet knowing in myself that I still had plenty more in me to do yep. it, I was going to go back. Um, you know, thinking about the what lies that I could tell um, to cover it up, or how could I make this better as quickly as possible for you know those innermost feelings to, well, I think resolve themselves, resolve, but, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but which never happened. Yeah. Um, it was just an ongoing cycle that never stopped. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I guess it would, as I think you already mentioned, it was hard holding a job for a long time. So what was how how did your job sort of progress? That at what point, you know, like three months, six months, when did they start falling apart? Um, I mean, they were they were going to fall apart before they even started. Okay, <laughs> um, it was it became it became something for me where because I was always in survival mode that I just needed to secure a job. Yep. And um, regardless of uh, of what positions that I was going for too, it was just about getting the foot in the door and then getting stabilised. Okay, look, I, I now have this job, which now can, um, so now I can sustain this um, this illness. Basically, that's what it that's what it became about. Um, obviously, I'd be I, I'd still need to conduct my duties as to the best I could possibly do, but I'd never do that because uh, yep. I just my headspace just wasn't there. So those jobs, those jobs were never going to um, 
be of of, of a long term tenure, given my 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 thinking was um, was really poor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess you had very short term thinking, so you weren't thinking about staying there. <laughs> it, it certainly wasn't at the top of my mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess we come to the point of sort of considering. So when did you first think that this wasn't something? normal that you needed to do something about your gambling when 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 did that happen um for me it still goes back to uh the time that i had uh, a, a large win back in my 20 early 20s and um it's clearly identifying that it's not right here but for me um i, I was so fearful of facing up to this stuff that i just continued on my merry path for this this path for another 10 years and um so the accumulation of of pain and misery, um, it just continued to a point where, okay, look, I may have entered into other relationships, which can make me feel elevated in certain aspects of life um, where I don't have to think about certain things. But the reality was they were all just sitting, it was all still sitting there under the surface, accumulating yep. to a point where I was going to burst, and yep. it did. Okay. Um, so did people try and help you? Yes, yes, I, I did have, um, you know, I did have, I know my wife at the time, uh, she certainly had recommended um, Gamblers Anonymous, uh, whilst even back um, before I did my geographic over here, and it was, um, it was mentioned to me in some, in some counselling sessions too, I think once I'd come over here as well. So help, help was offered, but I mean, I was definitely, I was, I was closed off. Um, Not ready. Definitely not ready. Right. Not ready by a long, long while. I still wanted to do it my way. Yeah. So, did you try yourself to stop gambling? Countless times. Yeah. And <laughs> failed miserably every single time. Um, yeah, I, I have absolutely no no experience of being able to stop by myself. Right. Okay. Um, so, I guess you, know, you mentioned your wife before, but that support you had must have been. Uh, well, it, I guess it crosses between enabling. And being supportive of the person, you know. Um, so what what was it like to have somebody who was helping you that much and you couldn't give anything back? Um, I mean, I think about it differently today, obviously in recovery, as opposed to back then. Uh, back then, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really didn't really give a hoot. Um, it, it was it was all about being. Um, I mean, I was selfish and self centred. Um, did not give a thought to another person basically coming through the other side and you know, working through the programs <clears throat> program and then we'll get to it but um you know the way i think about it today is yeah it was a lot and completely terrible to see other people that you have loved or do and do love uh, go through all the crap that you put on them um knowing that all they all they were ever doing was trying their best to hold a loving and caring space for you yeah yeah, no, it, must, it, it it is dreadful to watch somebody kill themselves with, you know, alcohol, drugs, or gambling. But um, but yeah, if people are often out of reach, and yeah. Uh, so, what was your first contact with Gamblers Anonymous? How did that work out? Um, that happened for me uh, in May two thousand and thirteen, and again, I just I had reached a point where. At that, you know, at that point in time, the pain and misery that I was experiencing in my life was sufficient enough to seek help. Um, I think I 
I think I may have um, been put in contact with Gamblers Anonymous through the Gamblers Help Hotline, just given a number, called it, and I uh, spoke to a, a very lovely voice on the other end of uh, on the phone that guided me um, or uh, provided me with an option with some options. And um, yeah, there was a Gamblers Anonymous meeting being held that evening. Okay, and yeah. um, she told me where it was, what time it was, and I found it within myself to turn up. Um, <laughs> which was yeah, an incredible experience. Yeah, I think it's very important to have that um, availability of meetings, like had, had a meeting that night. I think that's important for people that they don't have to wait a week or you know two days or something when they go, well, I've lost the urge, that, that when you do have the urge to have that availability. So I guess what's it like in um, Gamblers Anonymous to be able to help people coming in you know, at their first meeting? It, is it a good experience to be able to see the the fog lift? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, in my experience, there's been no no better experience than seeing the light bulb come on for somebody else. Um, you know, given given my path of recovery, um, you know, the most important people in the rooms uh, of any um, anonymous meeting is the new person, is the newcomer, and that you know we're, we're there to carry a strong message to that person. Um, I mean, for me, coming in. Coming into my first meeting, um, yeah, I was broken, completely a broken down dog, and I, I spent most of that meeting in tears. Uh, I did share, um, but just just having the the willingness, I guess, to even turn up, um, courage to, to to be there and, and be part of something, um, a place where you, you can't. You know, I identified as I kind of belonged there. There were people there that were experiencing, they were, they were sharing about things that I could relate to, which yeah. was key. Yeah. Um, uh, like well, yeah, you, you mentioned it sort of being broken down, so completely powerless that you'd realise that you couldn't do it on your own, and I think that's a, an important realisation. It is, but the truth in my experience is that yeah, I turned up in May two thousand and thirteen, um, but I, I still wanted to do it my way. You know, I, <laughs> I turned up and I identified, uh, but yeah, the pain and misery that I'd suffered was still not enough, and you know, I was not I was not ready to square away the facts. So I mean, after an eighteen month hiatus, uh, to return to the old ways, um, and and uh, and and several other busts along the way, um, you know, I, I found my way back. But I wouldn't have found my way back if I hadn't been there in the first place. So no. I knew those yeah. people there. I mean, it's it's part of my truth. Um, it's one of those things, yeah, it's, it's there and available, but it's, it's, it's always down to the individual and how they can strip back and be brutally honest about where they really are. Yep. Uh, so did you get, in that 18-month you know, break, did you get support from people in Gamblers Anonymous? Look, I, I, don't, recall, <laughs> I don't recall a lot of that time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is the thing, okay, too, yeah. when you're in the throes of it. I, I would imagine that I still would have been, I had some contact early on, but then again, I guess the way in which it operates is, you know, we are there, we make choices. We, yeah. You know, we have control over those choices to turn up and, you know, we can only really help ourselves at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. But as a collective group, you know, we're there for each other as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. It's people have got to turn up. If, if they want help, they've got to turn up. It's not really, you can't be chasing them, trying to help them, trying to save them. If, if they turn up, they can get help. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Um, I'm talking to Grant about recovery in Gamblers Anonymous um, and 
We're sort of, uh, Grant, we're up, up to the point where you've, um, you know GA exists, but you've had a bit of a break because you think you can solve it on your own. <laughs> uh, so what brought you back into Gambles Anonymous? What brought me back was definitely um, knowing that I needed help. Again, it's the same story. You know, identify with having a problem, and um, and that there is there is a uh, there are things out there that you that you can do to um, one to help stop and potentially um, experience some recovery too. So I had I had some experience of of feel, feeling a reprieve in some of my feelings by going. So I found myself back there again after creating some more damage and some more pain, which again was essential for me to get back there. I, I needed to feel more pain and yep. misery to actually get back there. Yep. Um, yeah, I think you described it to me as uh, catastrophic results. So, <laughs> so what what sort of things? And I think you also mentioned that you you picked up where you left off. So that I understand is common with all the obsessions, addictions. That because your mind hasn't changed, that wherever it doesn't matter what you've done, that if you if you don't overcome the obsession, then you just go back exactly where you left off. Absolutely, yeah. My my way of thinking uh, was was um, it was terrible. You know, it hadn't changed at all. Yeah, I, I went straight back to exactly how I was thinking, acting before. Once, um, yeah, actually, that's that's pretty much it. It was just yeah. the same thinking. Okay. Um, so, did your family realise that you you got back to gambling? Uh, no, I mean my my family w- weren't aware. I mean, because um, they were still at that point. Like I was, didn't really have a, an established relationship whilst overseas with my family. They were kind of just letting me do my own thing there, and there was a lot. I was still carrying a lot of shame and guilt around them supporting me in the past and not actually being able to deal with that too. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of yeah. I, I wasn't. I didn't have the clarity and the peace to be able to face up. I was still afraid. Right. So what was it that brought you back? Um, well, it's definitely uh, what brought me back is that I was I was struggling. I was still very much in survival mode. I was still gambling. I had and I had a desire to stop. That was the that was the key. I wanted to stop. Yeah, but couldn't. But couldn't. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yep. you knew where to go to get help. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it, I guess it it all helps, doesn't it? To you know to know that there is a resource, that that resource has a group of people who have made it work. So how much how much is that identification and that I guess that trust that they they can solve the problem when you're ready. Yeah, f- for me it's um it's it's crucial. I mean, I said previously in order to be uh in order to be abstinent, like I needed connection. I needed to feel that sense of belonging around people that had that could but they were sharing their stories and um, and were having similar feelings to me, so uh, that it, the immediate identification of oh goodness, I'm not any different here, um, and, and latching onto that. Um, and once I got back, yeah, once I got back that final time, and you know, I haven't left, um, been completely open to you know whatever happens in that room. What you know what what gets shared because it is my story being to re- being told over and over again yeah so i guess that 
the thing is the the pain and the misery became too much and that eventually drives you back so what's it like when you're starting to recover and starting to feel better about yourself it must be great levity to not feel so uh, inadequate yeah look I mean my experience in this too is um, yeah I can turn you know I've turned up turned up to the fellowship to, to Gamers Anonymous and you know I've turned up and not experienced recovery I've been abstinent and then I've gone back to it as well so I haven't I've, I've broken my abstinence um, but I, I've had to turn up to to stop but in, in order to change my thinking you know I've had to I've had to work you know the 12 steps of recovery um, and that's that is my only experience um, I have of actually recovering from a gambling addiction because you know I, I have turned up and I clearly have not got better I've got worse mm. um, it's not it's only been until I've I made that decision to be completely honest with oneself um, and really seek that next level of help within the fellowship yeah yeah and my understanding of um I guess spiritual awakening is a change of attitude that you're able to see things differently and get things into perspective, whereas before it was confusing, it's no longer confusing. So could you see what your addiction was, what your obsession was? Yeah, I can. Like, I, th- I think relevant to this conversation that I, I really do want to share is that um, when I finally got back to the, fe- uh, to the fellowship and had that desire to stop it, for me, it was seeing someone else within their fellowship who uh, was clearly showing um, authentically um, that they were really happy. They were happy, and they were they were they were free, free from this compulsive um, compul- compulsive addiction. And I wanted it. Um, and you know, making um, you know, that person is my sponsor. I know he's been on the show um, a couple of times mm-hmm. before too. So I had it. Because I had the desire to stop, and I, I wanted what he had, um, and I was prepared to do anything, anything to get it. Yep. So it, it was really key to it. You know, once I was in that space, to um, in order to take my recovery to the next step, was to actually do the hard. I'm say, no, I'm not going to say the hard graph. I think that's the that's the wrong way to to approach it. But to actually just work the program, which is presented right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically looking within, isn't it? It's, Absolutely, it's, yeah. everything's within. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not something outside of you. It's really just what's inside, and coming to grips with what's inside, and accepting that it might be pretty terrible contents, but that's me, and that's what you've got to start working with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just need, I needed the helping hands. You know, I, I needed the guidance that was within that room, um, in order to for that person to take me through that step that 12 step process and effectively he gave me you know what he had and what he has um and now i'm able to give that away myself yeah and once you realize what's within then it starts to repair the relationships uh with others so what's it like then i'm gonna say gamblers must you know run up a string of people that need to be made amends to so it must be a must be a uh, uh probably Maybe not m- more difficult than alcoholics, I guess, but you, you do have a particular 
um, you are a particular problem to a lot of people. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I wasn't a very pleasant person to be around the majority of the time. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, making amends to um, to people, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it started off um, when I made my first uh, amends list. Um, it, it was reasonably brief, um, but as my recovery has uh, taken a different form and, and I've had several other awakenings, it, it has expanded and um, and I've been able to... Um, you know, be in that place of perfect peace and ease and uh, to be able to make make a lot of direct amends or have the intention of doing it too because yeah. a lot of people it can be, um, I mean, for me it, it yeah. wasn't overwhelming because mm. um, I realised that a lot of my amends can just come through me living the life that I do today, um, you know, which is as authentic as I can try and make it on a daily basis. Yeah. I think part of that too is just not causing other people problems. Correct. Which, yeah, which is, <laughs> yeah, and, and treating them with respect and, you know, and, yeah, all of that stuff that, you know, just just stepping back. Um, yeah. It's not it's not particularly hard to be kind and, you know, loving and generous or, you know, supportive towards people. I think that's the key. Mm, yeah. Um, so... Your compulsion has been removed. Yes. Yeah. So what's it like w- without thinking, you know, 24 by 7 about your next gamble? I mean, I, I remember saying to you at lunch today that, um, you know, it's extraordinary and, and it is like the sense of freedom um, and the joy that I have in my life today to be free from this addiction it's it's unparalleled with anything that I've ever experienced before. You know, it um, my life is completely transformed uh, to a point where, and, and I mean, it has nothing to do with material possessions as well. Like you like you identified, you know, it's within my innermost feelings today are that you know I'm happy, joyous, and free, and I am at perfect peace and ease with the world. And I I I'd look at it from a daily perspective as well. Um, you know, it's only today that. You know, I need to, um, you know, have the intention of living my life as, as well as possible and treating others with as much respect and um, as, as possible as well. So, yeah. And that way, it keeps it really simple. Uh, yeah. So, I guess two things. The first one was um, making amends to people. It must go back a long way. So, how does that work for you? How far back? Can you go? Uh, I go back to before I was even born. <laughs> yeah, that's my truth. Yeah, it does. I mean, the, the people that brought me into this world, which I, I harbored um, anger and resentment towards, um, that I created through my you know, through the duration of my life, that stuff had needs to be peeled back and identified too. And that's that's the level of because that's the level of freedom that I want in my life. No, I'm I'm prepared to do anything to unturn those, overturn those stones, and, and correct um, the things that I've done in the past. Have, even if I haven't, it's one person I haven't have haven't had any contact with at all. Um, but they're still on my amends list because I've I've still made uh, I still held resentment and anger towards that person in the past. Yeah, and the resentment and anger colours your thoughts and also colours your actions towards them. 
Yeah, it does. I, I think, in my experience, resent, uh, anger that turns into resentment, uh, which can turn into rage as well. There's, it's the quickest way to destroy anything, any particular relationship. That's been my experience. Yeah. Um, so, what's it like um, in GA meetings now? Then, um, you've obviously been in a few years. So, are you? Is your recovery, or not your recovery, but I guess your time in the program? How do you put that to good use? Yeah, look, everything from the moment that I turned up, you know, I started learning. And even though it wasn't apparent, um, like I wasn't getting better for a number of years in the fellowship until I had some authentic experiences around the steps. Um, but I st- it, as I've gone through the steps and, and come out through the other side, like I do recall a lot of things that I've learned in the fellowship from day one. I wouldn't have had that. I wouldn't have had those experiences if I didn't turn up in the first place. Mm. Wouldn't have met those people uh, that have had a mixture of long-term abstinence, short-term abstinence. It's kind of irrelevant there. Um, different levels of recovery. The real truth is that you know, my recovery hasn't come through just abstinence in its pure form. It's come through the connection um, that I've managed to um, that I've been so blessed to have uh, by being a member of this fellowship. Yeah, um, yeah. It's being in in a, another fellowship myself. It's it's a bit like having a whole lot of relations who aren't yours. You know, their uncles and aunties or cousins or whatever. But you just have such a close connection to them because you know so much about them, and they know so much about you that you don't really need to you don't need to talk about s- certain stuff. But they understand where you're coming from, and that's really freeing because you you sort of talk as equals yeah absolutely um you know again you know in alignment with humility you know we're kind of we try to be in that position of neutrality and um and accept people everyone for for who they are a lot of people you know we don't talk about things outside of you know we don't necessarily know a lot about their personal lives as such but we share this beautiful common bond of a desire to want to stop gambling um and uh you know be connected in that same manner yeah so for people who are still gambling and who aren't enjoying it very much so what would you what would you say to them or you know what what's available well look yeah i mean as as a member of of gams anonymous ga um there are you know there are several meetings um or or any addiction for that matter but i mean obviously with ga uh there are meetings held almost uh, basically daily within uh, within the state um, and, and nationally as well, there's um, resources online on the um, I think it's gamblersanonymous.org.au. I, I could be wrong. On yeah, I've got I've got the details. Yeah, yeah. Sure you do. Um, but look, I, I think it's more that there is, you know, you don't have to struggle alone. Um, the thing that resonates the most with me is there is a way past every single obstacle uh, in life, and um, there are no blockages. And it's just a matter of reaching out and being willing to um, to seek some help. Yeah, and a, yeah, as you said earlier, it's not alone. You're not alone. You've you've got you've got support if you want to stop. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's all it's all, it's all there for the taking. And you know, there's a beautiful life out there waiting for you as well. That's uh, beyond gambling and you know, beyond recovery too. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Um, if anybody's interested in contacting uh, Gamblers Anonymous, if you think GA could help, then you can phone them on 03 9696 
6108 or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au. Um, okay, well, that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Grant for coming in and sharing his Gamblers Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Um, I hope you can join us again next week for our last show for 2017 when we'll be talking about recovery from compulsive drinking and we'll be joined by a couple of members of Alcoholics Anonymous. Stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks for listening to Living Free Program today. 